Broadcasting from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, it's time for Executive Perspective. Executive Perspective is brought to you by Cressa, going beyond space to foster the best environment for every business. Now, here's your host, Danny Vandermeer. Hello, and welcome to Executive Perspective, a podcast series brought to you by Cressa the world's largest commercial real estate firm dedicated to representing tenants. Cressa, we understand the value of relationships and the power of connecting with others in the business world, and that's why we love this podcast series, where we get to sit down with executives and business leaders and listen to their challenges, insights, and unique perspectives. My name is Danny Vandermaten. I'm a vice president of tenant advisory in the Atlanta office of Cressa, and I am the host of Executive Perspective, and today I'm very excited to welcome Angela Alea, President and Chief Revenue Officer of Lasso. Angela, thank you so much for coming. Thanks for having me. I'm excited about this. Yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun. So if you're listening to this and you have no prior knowledge of Lasso, what Lasso is or what Lasso does, the short explanation would be you guys are a software firm and a, you provide a platform to your customers it's, and your customers are event companies that helps them streamline operations and also analyze data. That's kind of the short of it. That's Danny's watered down explanation. Mm-hmm. Angela, what more would you say to that? Yeah, so I would I would describe it this way. Um, if you've been to a concert, a sporting event, a corporate conference, a festival, any type of event, mm-hmm. um, you've consumed what we do. So we are the software that the companies who produce those things run their business on. So when you think about the audio, video, sound, the, the bag checkers, the ticket takers, security at a sporting event, they use our software to crew their events, get their gear where it needs to be, uh, invoice their customers. So really just to produce the entire event, everything related to the project, their people, and their gear. So that's what our software does. And when I think of those types of events, obviously... I mean, if there's one thing every event has, that's a sequence, right? Mm -hmm. And so everything that happens within that sequence, whether it's before the event itself or even afterwards, your platform integrates a tool Mm -hmm. that will help that particular action within that sequence fluctuate and flow smoothly within to the next sequence and gather. Okay, it's all workflow. It's all workflow. Yeah, planning the event, producing the event, post-event production, um, everything related to that to that event. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. And and just just to reiterate too, last so you guys started in 2014. Is that correct? We did. We started. Well, yes, we started officially in 2014. We didn't bring a product to market until 2017 because we spent three years doing a tremendous amount of research mm-hmm. and interviews to make sure we were bringing the industry the software they wanted and needed not what we assumed they wanted or needed. So we did about 350 interviews with all different types of personas in the industry um, to really build a really great platform because believe it or not, most of the events you go to, they're produced on an Excel spreadsheet. The NFL yeah, that's, season that's hard to understand. on an Excel spreadsheet. Yeah. yeah, the Super Bowl, an Excel spreadsheet. So um, our industry has been very underserved. So we spent a lot of time just doing a lot of research before we wrote our first line of code. And so before that three-year period where you were doing that, what kind of experience or preparation did you have for that kind of an undertaking in your, in your prior roles and in your previous career path and journey? Yeah, well, I think my whole career has been 
spent in sales, even mm-hmm. though I swore I would never do sales, which, you know, we could talk about that. That might be a conversation for another time. <laughs> um, but I swore I would never do sales. But I think what's great about it is sales is about solving a problem. Mm-hmm. And you can't solve a problem unless you ask a lot of questions. And so I've spent my whole career asking questions um, to understand how to better serve. And so that's just what we did when we started Lasso. We just started asking a bunch of questions. Um and, and kind of took the answers and then asked more questions based on those answers. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because one of the things that we try to do at the beginning of this is just kind of go a little bit over your professional history. So I'm just going to run through that real quick. Stop me if I'm wrong about anything. Sure. Um, and feel free to add to more, you know, to what, what I'm about to run through. But you graduated from Stetson University, which is really funny because that was actually the first college campus I ever toured when I was looking at college campuses um, in, in DeLand. And as soon as you graduated, it's funny you say that you didn't want to go into sales because you, you went into sales with Iron Mountain. Is that right? Well, no. So oh. I was a marketing major. Okay. And all of my professors said, you're going to be in sales. And I said, I promise you I'm not. I am not <laughs> that type of person that I viewed sales as like you're cheesy. You're trying to take advantage of people. Um, and, and it just wasn't anything I was interested in. However, I did not get my first car until I was 26 years old. And so I didn't have a car in college, graduated from college. My first job offer um, was to be in sales. And I, of course, did not want to do that. However, I took it because it had a company car. Mm. And so my first job out of college was working um, for a rental car company doing insurance replacement. So if your car was in a wreck, and you needed a replacement, I would call on the body shops, the insurance companies, and I had to do it because it was a company car. You know? Yeah. So I, that was, you know, that's how I had a car. I didn't buy my first car until I was 26. So that's how I landed in sales. I was kind of forced into it, yeah. but never looked back. And so that was, with that, with that rental car company, would that have been right before then you started at Iron Mountain? Yes, so you went yeah. from sales, sales to sales. To sales. Yeah, I stayed in sales. Yep. Which, which is really funny. And it's yeah. funny to hear you say that you would have never thought you would have done sales, but your college professor saw it because, yeah. and knowing you, I see it and I get it because I always thought of sales as the same thing. I always yeah. thought it was it's overbearing. Right. Word. I always thought it was overbearing. And I always yeah. thought that in sales, you had to walk into a room and be the most gregarious person mm-hmm. and you had to you had to draw that attention and you had to balance that attention. But I think that, you know, what you've probably learned and we'll get more into is that well, there's a lot more into sales than what you just think of. Yeah. And right? most salespeople are not extroverts. I'm an introvert. And that's funny. And a lot of people think extrovert means outgoing and I can turn it on when I need to, but I get my energy by being by myself. You know, that's what energizes me is time alone um, I enjoy being around people, but a lot of people equate sales with extrovert, which right. in their mind means they're outgoing, they're bubbly, they're loud, they're obnoxious, right? Like all those things. And yeah. that's just not, that's what I thought it was. And it's it's not at all that. It's about and helping people and serving people. And being able to listen and being able to ask questions has probably served you well. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm just a curious person by nature. Yeah. So kind of running through your background still a little bit more with Iron Mountain for about five years and then... After Iron Mountain, you spent spent some time with an HR technology company called Insperity, mm-hmm. and then in 2014, started Lasso. Yep. And so that kind of just runs through a lot of your background, and then somewhere along the way, married two beautiful children. Yes. And here we are. Yes. Um, and so in that in that career path, and you know, either when you started at Lasso, or maybe even before Lasso, or since you've been at Lasso, is there an example of an obstacle that you faced early in your career? 
that you'd care to share and, 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 you know, it being pivotal and explain maybe how you overcame it. Well, I'm going to go back to, I didn't want to do sales. Yeah. I mean, I started, I mean, first of all, I think obstacles are just, you know, it's, it's just part of it. Every career should be full of obstacles or you're not living right. That's part of how we grow personally, professionally. But I remember being scared to death to do a sales job because I was very shy, <laughs> different than being an introvert. Yep. It's very shy. And I was asked to go call on body shops who were fixing cars. And then I would call on these large insurance claim centers. So, you know, in the morning I'm in, you know, I'm going to visit an, an insurance company in a suit and then I'm washing cars in the afternoon trying to get them off the lot to rent them, you know? So it was like a very, um, it was just challenging, you know, when you're young, you don't know who you are, what you want to be, what you're about. Um, but I knew that's what I needed to do again, to have a car as mm-hmm. crazy as that sounds and as simplistic, no, it um, makes a lot of sense. but I learned a lot. I learned a lot about just grit. And sometimes you just have to, you just have to do the hard stuff. You have to be uncomfortable. And I think, you know, I'm trying to even teach my kids, you know, get comfortable with being uncomfortable, like pursue those opportunities that make you feel scared, anxious, mm. because that's where the growth is. That's where the living really is. Um, and so, yeah, I feel like I started it that way because I was so against sales and terrified, but I'm really glad I did it and never looked back. And so that first obstacle being kind of getting over that discomfort that, that maybe a lot of people just, you know, initially and just naturally avoid. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a, literally a cold walk up to an auto body shop mm-hmm. and they don't know you're coming. Nope. They haven't invited you, nope. but you're there to try to talk and so- talk about something. Yep. But, but from what it sounds like you're explaining really ask a lot of questions and learn. Yeah, that's right. Um, So can you share another story where you either took a risk, you made like a, an enormously bold decision that had a profound impact. And this could be, you know, this, it it could be at Lasso or it could be part of, part of your growth to Lasso. So I think every change I've had within my career was a pivotal moment. You know, as you saw, I, my first job out of college, I was there a number of years, went to work at Iron Mountain, was there for a very long time, went to work at Insperity, was there for a decade. Now I've been at Lasso for almost a decade now. So I take those things very serious. Mm-hmm. Um, and those were pivotal. Each each time, each change was a pivotal moment because it wasn't, I don't, I don't view things as just a job or a paycheck. I view it as like a calling. Right. Is this where I'm supposed to be? Why? What do I want from it? What do I have to give to it? And so I think each of those changes was a pivotal moment where it was scary. It was exciting, but having to pause and say, okay, what, what do I have to give to this opportunity and what do I hope to receive from that opportunity? So I think it's important with any change, whether it's a professional change or a personal change in your life. um, I think it's important to kind of spend the time reflecting and thinking about that and being intentional about it. Right. So it sounds like those career moves in the process of, mentally immersing yourself mm-hmm. into not just the job, but the role yeah, and, and the influence and responsibilities that you had to have at each. Yeah. And being something new. I'll never forget when I interviewed at Insperity, I remember I just come off of Iron Mountain where I was traveling literally three weeks at a time, weekends too. Um, and when I interviewed there, they said flat out in the interview, this will be the hardest job you ever have. And I said, Nope. I'm, I'm moving on to something else. I'm tired. <laughs> I want easy right now. 
And the way they worked with me through the interview process, they were, <laughs> they said, I'm in Atlanta. So we have a mountain here called Mount Kennesaw. And they said, you're not a Mount Kennesaw kind of girl. I don't understand why you're choosing the easy path. Like nothing about your profile, you know, cause they do the assessment test right. and everything. And they said, nothing about that says you're a Mount Kennesaw kind of girl. Like you don't have to reconsider our offer, but the job you chose, that's not the right job for you. Mm. And they got so in my head, the fact that, again, they were serving me. They were trying to solve my problem with taking them out of the equation when they said, look, regardless of whether you come here or not, we don't want to see you make a mistake for yourself because that's not the right role for you. And they got in my head and I was like, you know what? They're right. Okay, I should probably go work there. And I did. And so it's like thinking about those types of moments where it's like, being uncomfortable, taking the hard path. And it's always paid off every time I've done that. What did it say to you when you were going through that interview process and they were, and they were trying to really solve you and not just fill a role? Well, I respect it yeah. a, a ton. I would um, think I was humbled by it. I was inspired by it, you know, because a lot of companies don't take the time to do that. And again, I think that's what sales is, right? You're not, you're not wanting something from that company, you want something for them. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is just a different, you know, in my mind, sales was, what can I get? What can I get? What can I get? And it really changed me as a person. It changed my career when I realized sales is not about selling, it's about serving. And mm-hmm. I think they did that very well just through the interview process. I, I would imagine that would instill a lot of confidence in you as you're going through that with them or who you're talking with. And- yeah what their sincere interests are. Yeah. We'll talk about being called to do something. I was like, well, that clearly is, I feel called to, <laughs> to go do that. You know, I felt like they intervened and kept me from making a mistake. And lessons in serving. If we're talking mm-hmm. about serving. Mm-hmm. I mean, how to do it right. Yeah. And from an employer standpoint, yeah. you know, to what extent is that carried, carried forward in your career? Well, I, I've tried to do the same, mm-hmm. right? Like I feel like even at Lasso, one of the things we look for in everybody, not just our leaders, is servant leadership. Mm-hmm. And everyone says that and it's thrown around, but like, what does that mean? It means to me, sacrifice, right? It, it's serving is, um, isn't always serving when it's super easy. Sometimes it's serving when you don't feel like it, when you don't feel, I'll give you a few examples. Um, if, if I'm, I'm a big one, I'm, always kind of moving fast. My brain is always moving and someone will come in. Hey, how are you? I'm like, I'm good. How are you? And then I'm just kind of moving on versus, cause I've got 10 other things to do versus pausing in that moment. Cause that person may need to connect on a different level. They might be going through something and forcing myself to pause and say, you know what? Turn your computer off, focus there on the conversation, be present. Um, and it's just little things like that, right? It doesn't have to be these monumental things, but just genuinely caring for your team, your teammates, your people, um, and being in tune with what's happening around them, not just what's happening in your world, but what's happening around you. So I'm a quote guy, um, you know, because they're, they're always easy to remember and, and mm-hmm. usually yeah. applicable to a lot of people. And I remember somebody telling me, if you're, if you're above serving, you're probably under leading. Mm. It probably sounds like you'd agree it's with great. a lot of that with what you just Absolutely. described. Absolutely. And it's a challenge. You know, it's, we're all human, right? We all have things we're all dealing with, but I think it's something we should all aspire to, to do and to, you know, lead with that way. Yeah. I mean, and I think the key is intentionality, like you said, and, and, and being sincere and deliberate, but shutting down 
realizing this is a teammate, this is a human being. Yeah. This is somebody who I depend on. And yeah. gosh, we are all humans, yeah. right? I mean, you know, we try to put on our best faces every single day, but we all know life doesn't go yep. the way we always want it to. That's right. Um, another story-based question. Could you share an interaction that you've had? I mean, this would probably be interesting, you know, in the context of Lasso and maybe even in the context of the last three or four years and what events industries have seen. But mm-hmm. um, you've had with a customer that highlights the value that you that you provide. And how did that how did that value prop and how did that in particular instance impact you personally? Yeah, so um, I think about COVID. Uh-huh. And I think about our industry being in the events industry. We were the very first one to shut down, right? And we were the very last to come back, yeah. Right? There were, because it's group gatherings. The, there were there were necessary businesses, and then there was unnecessary. Yeah. And when I think of what was unnecessary three years ago, it was going to that concert. Yes, it absolutely. was crowds at any, football any games. gathering of people. That's right. Yeah. And so I remember I remember seeing on our platform. It was a Monday. I don't remember the exact date. I remember seeing because you know all these events they're they're done in our platform so we track you know how how fast they're growing how many are being put in and we were just seeing cancellation after cancellation like one after another and that was in february and then fast forward march 13th it was a friday um that's really when things were shut down we had to do some layoffs and um you know when you do that your team is looking to you to say should i be scared well, I have a job. Well, we have a company. I mean, I, I, I was wondering that, right? Like we were fully prepared to lose all of our revenue because mm-hmm. all of our customers, 100% of our customers are in that industry and they had no revenue. So how are they going to pay us, mm-hmm. right? And so we quickly switched to, well, let's just focus on creating brand loyalty. And the team that we had there just stepped up in remarkable ways. And you talk about serving. I'm talking like things like wellness checks to our customers and outside of the scope of your platform. We never called them to talk about lasso. It was how, how are you? How is your business? And these people were laying off family members. They were laying off people that had been with their company 20 years. And these, you know, grown men and women were crying on the phone with us and just so grateful that we even just called just to check on them. This wasn't about, lasso you know it was about something different and um we ended up pausing payments for most of our any whatever anybody asked for we gave them we just gave it to them and some that didn't ask we just we know you have nothing don't we're going to keep the platform on it's there you tell us when you're ready Mm -hmm. and What's amazing about that story and our industry is they pivoted so quickly into virtual events you know, there were virtual graduations. Those things still had to be produced. Oh, I remember they were them. just at a yeah. different level, right? Yeah. Broadcasting still happened. You know, you had these sporting events with no one in the stands, you know, so there was still some of that that happened. Um, but that was very moving for me because I was a part of something so much bigger than myself. Our company was so, a part of something so much bigger than our company, than our industry. And just that human interaction that happened, you know, that's, that's what we were made for. And to have an opportunity to do that and not knowing what in the world would happen. It was literally like day by day, month by month. And then believe it or not, at the end of the year, we only took a 14% hit in our revenues, which we were prepared 
I mean, we were prepared for everything. You said, I always have a plan A, B, C, D, and E. And E was like, okay, we're going to fail. We're going to shut our doors, right? But you're always trying to think of like worst case and working backwards. Um, so it was just, it was a really interesting time that had a big impact on me because, you know, we, we could have we chose a different path and that would have said, sent a different message to our people and it would have sent a different message to our customers. Um, but again, we chose the hard path. Mm-hmm. Um, and it changed us all for the better in so many different ways. Did you say 14%? 14%. That's amazing. It 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 was. What do I you, mean, and 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 that's surprising because what I mean, you just think of that industry and like you said everything shut down if not for a, a full year, yeah. year and a half. 14%. Well, I think I think companies they they pay attention to how you lead and serve them. Mm-hmm. Um like one of them said, gosh, my, my own bank won't even work with me. And I've had a relationship with them for 15 years. I've been your customer for less than a year. And you're telling me don't worry to, about paying, even though I'm going to keep using it because he was doing virtual things. I'm like, yep. And so the, I think people remember that. And I think, um, I don't know. I think my hope is, you know, we'll have customers for life because of that. I know I, I would do that. Right. And so, um, but yeah, only 14% because I think that's a testament to our industry. They overnight figured out how to pivot, how to change. We introduced a product, a brand new product in the middle of that to offer to help because at that time, about 38% of our industry left the industry altogether. So there was no one there to produce those events. So we created a new product where we curated a talent pool. So when all their own people had left and they needed to produce an event, when events were starting to come back, they just looked different. They could tap into our talent pool. So we it wasn't our software. Mm. It was a different product we built literally in the middle of the pandemic because our customers had a need and we're like, well, where are they going to go find people? We're going to go do that in our time, right? While nobody's on the software, we'll go find people to come join our industry, to teach them, to train them, and then we can put them to work as well. So it worked out, but that was um, that was a, a pretty incredible chapter of, of all of our lives, right? For different reasons. Um, what a unique pivot. By the way, yeah, of really just adapting to the environment and the circumstances mm-hmm. to serve customers, and to that point where you're talking about a little bit earlier, a lot of what you're talking about sounds like a great lesson in the principles of a client relationship building, client relationship management. Well, that's a testament to our team. They, yeah. um, they, you know, and that's that that can wear on you when you're on those types of calls all day, every day, five to seven days a week, you're doing wellness checks, you're talking to people, you're just talking about what's how heavy it is. And that, you know, that can wear on people. But our team, they just kept showing up, kept ringing the bell, kept fighting. So outside of COVID, which really rocked the events industry and your world, um, what what major setback or failure have you or, or Lasso or any organization you've been with experienced where, you know, it put you back mentally, it put you back, you know, personally, how did you handle it and what did you learn? Yeah, there's, for anybody who has started a business, uh, every day feels like two steps forward, one back, whether it's related to your product, a customer, something happening in the micro environment, your team, all, all kinds of things. It just, it feels like that. Um, but at some point there is a tipping point where it's two steps forward, maybe half a step back, right? Mm. Three steps forward and then none back. You know, it just kind of starts to happen. 
Um, what it has taught me is a couple things. I think who you surround yourself is critical in your ability to deal with that. Um, whether it's starting a business, raising a family, any challenge, I think you have to surround yourself with the right people. Um, I'm a believer less is more. Um, I would rather have very few but very deep relationships than a bunch of um, just kind of surface. Um, maybe that's the introvert in me speaking. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, but I think that's really important because the energy that you surround yourself with, it is who you become and it does, you do take that on. Um, but the other thing it taught me is you just have to keep moving. You, you just have to, you can't sit and wallow in it. Um, and if you're going to, you got to set a limit. Hey, tonight I'm going to have a pity party. I'm going to go to bed and tomorrow morning I'm going to get up and it's a new day. And I think you just, you have to keep moving and you have to surround yourself with people who also believe in that and they're not going to sit and wallow in it. Cause I think that's really dangerous. So it sounds like, you know, in the setbacks or failures that you've had, you experienced or Lasso's had, who is on the bus with you has been critical to overcoming. It's everything. Yeah. It's everything. Um, and it's kind of a sidebar conversation, but because the word's been mentioned a lot, introvert. I've yeah. always thought it's funny that introverts, and, and I probably lean more towards an extrovert, but somebody mentioned this to me who's an introvert. He said, I always just feel bad for having to apologize for being an introvert. Do you identify with that at all? <laughs> just, I don't. Yeah. Maybe I should. I don't. No, I you, just, you shouldn't. I just know what fuels me, and I know what I need. Like, it's funny, my, my daughter, my kids, they've heard growing up, Mommy just needs a moment. I just, I just need a moment. And so I remember when she was in elementary school, you know how they do the Valentine's Day card boxes and you make all your Valentines or you do a coupon. Well, they did coupon books for their parents. And my daughter came home with a coupon book and every coupon was for when mommy needs a moment. And I thought, oh my gosh, I was so embarrassed. I was like, her teacher must think <laughs> what in the world, but you know, you know what you need. It's like, to me, it's like personal health, right? Like some mm -hmm. people it's fitness for me. It's just, I need, I just need time alone to think and not be on or fighting fires. It's just kind of like my time. And, um, so I'm going to be selfish with it. <laughs> well, you know, not to get to me, cause really this shows a lot about you, but, but my wife's also an introvert. And I think what I've had to learn in, you know, my, my 12 years of marriage now is that she needs a moment. She needs that time. And it's funny because, you know, as, as an extrovert, how, how I operate, I kind of just, I'm able to hash things out. I kind of need people for that. Yeah. My husband's the same way. And, yeah. and, you know, for, for my wife, it's, she just, she needs that space yeah. and, and she's just got to like process it. You're going to like us better it. when we have that space. And I've kind of learned it, honestly, that yeah. that's, you know, even though I don't want that, that's what she needs. That's just, that's just really funny. Yeah. Um, to segue into this next part of this, I mean, a lot of this yeah. has been about your journey and stuff, but you know, for you personally and philosophically, um, and especially as a leader at Lasso and just an executive in general, what, you know, for you, what, what makes a bad day a bad day where you need that coupon and what makes a good day a good day? Yeah. Um, for me, it kind of revolves around two things. And I think in terms of, did I have a good day or a bad day? It revolves around productivity and people. Um, and if, if I've had a productive day, that, that feels really good. A bad day could be also where my, our team is not feeling good about something. Um, and I feel like that's my job to go get them if they're in the ditch, bring them out. Mm -hmm. um, and so that typically, 
it, it's one of those two categories. Was it a productive day or, or is our team in a good place? Do yeah. they feel good about things? Or it sounds like you're describing the feeling of something being unfinished. Yeah. Or, yeah. or, or somebody who's something's just mentally, mentally yeah. down. Yeah. Something's just off, you know, cause I think, um, people have choices where they work. Yeah. Um, especially now. And, you know, I'm grateful and humbled that they choose to come to work at Lasso. And so I feel like that's our responsibility as a company to make sure everybody feels fulfilled in what they're doing, excited about what they're doing, like the people they're working, um, feel like their work matters. And so typically, you know, and we all have bad days. And so when our team has a bad day, I, I feel that. Yeah. The next question I'm really curious to ask, especially with your story, um, of coming on board and in disparity and and wanting to do something but being told no you fit more here what other industry i mean if left to your own devices and you know what other profession other than you know working at lasso and working in the entertainment industry have you not tried or have you been a part of that you'd 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 like to try like where else do you think you'd take your talents if yeah if if you had to because you're having a lot of fun doing what you're doing now and i know you do mm-hmm. um but if that were ever an option, what would it be? Yeah. Well, and this could be anything. You, you could you be know, a scuba diver instructor. Yeah. You could be like, just let yourself dream. It's that. I, I honestly, I would do exactly what I'm doing. Cause I don't know of anything. Like I feel fulfilled personally, professionally. It's hard, which I like. It's gratifying, which I like. Um, I, I like all of that, right? And I think in a world we live in right now, there's a lot of side hustles. And I know that's a thing right now. It is a thing. It is a big thing. Mm-hmm. And I just, wherever I am, I'm all in. I am probably, me and my husband talk about this all the time. I, I am the most content person you will ever meet. Content? Content. Ah. Um, not uh, less than, right? Not like I'm going to settle, but I am content. I've worked hard to find that. But when I find it and I feel fulfilled, I'm not always looking for the next best. I don't need a side hustle because what I'm doing, wherever I am, I'm all in. I am present because I like it, right? I don't feel the need to go do something different. If I did, I would go do something different. I would be doing it. Right. Um, And so like in each of my career moves, maybe I did feel like I needed to do something different. So I did it. But at the moment, I don't. I don't know. I feel like life's too short to not be happy where you are and to constantly have a need to go find something else. I feel very satisfied. Yeah, that's a great answer because, you know, it, it, we all want to do what we love doing. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like you're there. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you've been there. Maybe that's a testament to my parents. I'm just, yeah, wherever wherever I'm placed in life, I just, um, not to say there aren't moments, right? Of course, we all have those moments. But all in all, I'm I'm happy. Like my husband, he's a dreamer. He calls me the dream killer. Um, he, that's what my family call. I'm you're the dream killer. I'm like, no, I'm just, I'm, I don't feel the need to go do that because things are, are good, yeah. you know, and I don't feel the need to do something different. Yeah. I mean, and I think I can appreciate what you're describing when you say that you, you don't find yourself wanting more than what you have or oh. more than what you're in. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's one thing because content can get thrown around yeah. and, and, you know, if you say it, you know, it can sound like, uh, you know, we're doing good right now. We don't need to try harder. But that's yeah. not what you're saying. No, that's not at all. It's not what at all what you're saying. You're just saying, I, I love what I'm doing. I love this industry and I love my role and I love my place in it. And, and if I know anything about Lasso and just how much 
gosh, how much resiliency you guys have is coming through these last three or four years. It sounds like, it sounds like you're, you're living your passion project. I am. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. That's awesome. So this last question and even the ones before it kind of came from the studio or sorry, not the studio. It came from a show. Yeah. Way back when, um, it's called Inside the Actors Guild, and they would run through these twenty questions that the host would, and and I always loved them. And you know, the one, the first two that I just asked you a part of that, but this last one was always my favorite because there's no right answer, there's no wrong answer. Yeah. yeah. You know, when when you arrive at the pearly gates of heaven, what what do you hope God tells you? Well, I feel like my purpose is to serve God and others. That's just what I've always just kind of like simple. It's concise. It resonates. I, I feel that. And that's what I hope he says is that I served my purpose well and that I served him and served others well in this life. And I of course have a gazillion selfish moments where I did not serve others well or him. Um, but that's what I hope. That's what I strive for. That's what, you know, that's what my goal is. Yeah, that's a great answer. And if anything we've talked about leading up to asking that question tells me anything, it's that you you love what you're doing. And just because I know you wouldn't say this about yourself, but I know this because I know you, you're great at it. You really are. You. Um, and and all along the way, just, you know, seem to really care about the team and the people that you lead. And so, thank you know, to that point, thank you so much for coming on this and just recording this casual conversation I love being able to, yeah, I know. I love being able to do that with you. And, um, well, everybody who's listening, this is probably going to wrap this up. So thank you for tuning in. And one more thing, I kind of forget to do this. I forgot to write this down. Angela, if anybody wanted to get in touch with you, what would be the best way? Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn, Angela Alea. Last name is A-L-E-A. And my email is Angela.Alea at lasso.io. I've always appreciated and almost been jealous of how your first and last name flow so well together. I'm Lots sure you of hear A's that. In there. I'm sure you, you hear that a lot, but when you have a name like Danny Vander Mayton and everybody yeah. assumes Vander's your middle name, <laughs> I yeah, I have I have name envy a lot. Uh, but anyways, um, again, everybody, I'm glad you listened to that. Thank you for tuning into this, and we will look to have you tune in next time. An executive perspective. Thank you again, Angela. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Executive Perspective. This show is brought to you by Cressa, the world's largest occupier-centric commercial real estate firm offering unbiased, conflict-free advice. For more information, go to Cressa.com.